Yo, their point guard, I don't know what he runs with a 40, but that man is quick. Yo, I, I fuck with the Spiders, man. And just like, <laughs> yeah. Richmond in general is a good place to hang out. I'm going to pick them just off the strength. Like, like, I had a love for Crocodile Hunter. I thought you were going to do a Stingray, and you were going to oh, yeah. no. choke it out, baby. <laughs> Get your revenge. <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, man, I'm going to have like a yes jam session after this. It's great. Yeah, they're so good. Oh, how's the journey? It's magic in September. It's like one of the hottest athletes in the world. <laughs> I would respect for that. Is that's the worst take? Exactly. That's a bad beat. Traditional football, or you know, throw beer cans and jump off the top rope and elbow defender. I don't know. What Ten it. seconds. Episode 96, Pub Sports Talk coming at you. And we got a very special guest, a young man who has done more with his 26 years on this earth than, than most people could dream about so far. And it's only looking up. Uh, we got the one and only Adam Brenneman with us, baby. Let's give a round of applause. Woo! Thanks for being on, man. Appreciate it, guys. I appreciate you, man. We know you're, you're super busy, uh, but we're so glad you carved out a couple minutes to talk to us. Uh, because you've been blowing up on social media, especially TikTok, creeped up in my algorithm, and then it just—it seems like you've just exploded, which has been awesome to watch, man. How's that journey been? Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I, I've been listening to people for long enough tell me that I should be posting on TikTok. Um, I've heard Gary <laughs> V say it about a million times, so I decided to actually start doing it. So uh, it's been fun, though. It's been been fun learning how to do it and everything, and um, working with some really good people that are kind of doing a lot of that. So they help me out with a lot of the production stuff. So it's been, it's been cool just to tell stories and, you know, tell stories that, about football that people don't know about and give them a different perspective, given some of my experiences as a player and a coach and as a recruit and things like that. So it's been fun. Yeah, dude, it's been real eye opening. You even sat down with Kenny Pickens the other day. I think you got a couple other draft guys you're going to sit down and talk about, which is pretty dope as well. And you kind of get the behind the scenes, like you said, and, and you being a former blue, you know, a five-star prospect and the guy who played at Penn State and UMass and stuff, you know what these guys have gone through a little bit. So it's kind of cool to hear you talk to them. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I uh, like you said, I, I um, did an interview with Kenny Pickett, which was pretty cool. Spent like an hour and a half with them at his house in in New Jersey, and just got to talk to him about a lot of different things. And you know, it's been cool with some of the relationships I've had with some of the guys I've known Kenny for a long time. And yeah, it's been it's been exciting, and just kind of being able to tell their story and talk to them in a way that's a little different than most interviews I do. You know, and I know Kenny's done a lot of stuff, but. You know, he was kind of able to open up and tell a little bit behind the scenes of different things and, you know, different, uh, you know, some some funnier side and, and more personal side of things. So it's been cool. We got I got one coming out with Pat Fryermuth, the Steelers tight end um, tomorrow. And then we got uh, Mike Kosicki's uh, episodes coming out. Chase Edmonds, the new Dolphins running back, going to be coming out soon. So we got some cool things on the docket. Hunter Henry, the, the tight end for the, for the Patriots. So a lot of cool stuff we're working on and. Just trying to get it all put together. You know, as you guys know, it's a, producing it's the hard part. So the, the, the actual interview is the easy part. Yeah, exactly. Dude, man, that's awesome. I'm excited to catch those. Uh, now, now with Kenny, I mean, did you have to, like, not show your hand close to him because he has the small hands and stuff? We didn't want the prospects to see him. <laughs> I'm just, that stuff is so blown out of proportion, right? Like, it's crazy. Uh, right. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we actually we talked about that a little bit. I, I keep saying it. It's uh, You always know uh, – when it gets to be around combine time, it, uh, the the it starts to be small hands. And every year you hear about a quarterback's hand size. It was Christian Hackenberg in 2016. Mm -hmm. It was Joe Burrow. It was, I mean, they've had everyone. So, um, but you know, Kenny's a good sport about it. But yeah, he's he's uh 
he's he, he thinks it's pretty funny but it's interesting you know we talked on 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 the interview i did with him about just all the drills he was actually doing drills like to stretch out his hand leading up to the combine he he actually he actually didn't measure his hands at the senior bowl so that he could wait to do it at the, at the combine so he had more time to stretch his hand every night so uh he, he was he was practicing wow. getting ready for that measurement yeah you guys know size doesn't really matter though i mean it's no. you know it's, it's not it's not a big deal <laughs> no, especially him balling at Pittsburgh outside yeah. in the cold. Like, if he can grip a ball there, he's fine anywhere. For sure. Like, come on. Yeah, For sure. wild. Well, hey, let's talk about your journey a little bit. You grew up in Pennsylvania, and you become just this amazing athlete, five-star prospect, like we said, uh, and you choose Penn State. Why Penn State, and uh, how was your time at Penn State? My recruiting process was kind of a journey of, of a bunch of different schools and offers and um, just kind of blew up overnight and had a bunch of – had like 30-some offers at the end of the day. and. Um, really went to Penn State. Bill O'Brien was the head coach there. So um, Bill O'Brien showed me film of Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and kept saying that we're going to use you because, you know, he can't, he had just come from the Patriots. So he just kept, he just kept telling me they're going to use me like they use Gronk and Hernandez. So I, that, that sold me and I ended up going to Penn State. And it was a great, it's a great place, man. I mean, there aren't many fan bases as passionate as, 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 you know, the fans of Penn State. And, and I, I had a really good time and, and learned a lot and, um, had some success, but also some setbacks and injuries, but, you know, ended up graduating from there. And yeah, I'm always, I'll always be a, a Penn State guy. And I was also there during a really interesting time during the, during the scandal and, you know, the Penn State scandal that went on in 2000, you know, 2012. It feels like forever ago now, but as you guys probably remember that whole Jerry Sadusky scandal that went on and we were there right in the middle of all that. So. Uh, it was a uh, definitely an interesting time to be at Penn State. I'm glad you brought that up. How was that like? Because it seems like overnight shit hit the fan almost on you guys, and it was like everybody was leaving for the transfer portal, like right out. And it's kind of like looking around, like fresh prints, like where did everybody go? Like what happened? Uh, how was that yeah, exactly? For you? I mean, yeah, it was it was crazy. So I was actually I was still I was committed to Penn State when the sanctions came out against Penn State, which basically said that Penn State can't play in bowl games. Penn State is going to lose however many scholarships every year. Every player can transfer immediately. That was way before the transfer portal happened. So um, it was like it was like the wild, wild west at Penn State, man. It was crazy and um, decided to still go to Penn State. But, um, yeah, it was nuts. I mean, it, it was uh, – everyone kind of thought it was the death penalty for the program and that everyone would – you know, that, that everyone would leave and the program would never be the same. And then, you know, it ended up – Penn State ended up being pretty good there like the next year or the year after. So it was kind of remarkable. And it was a cool thing to be a part of because um, you really felt like you were playing for something bigger than just yourself and you were playing for – um, you know, a university that was struggling and, and a fan base that needed some hope because it was a dark time at Penn, in Penn State's history to, to be there. But it was cool to kind of be there during that and then come out on the other side. Oh, dude, absolutely. I, I can imagine. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty dope. Uh, now, this is a personal question for me. Ty Howe, were you in the same class as Ty, Ty Howe? No, so uh, Ty is older than me, but I know Ty really okay. well. He's now the tight ends coach at Penn State. Yeah, he's, yep, he's, yep. Uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman. Okay. Okay. I couldn't remember the math of yeah. it. Okay. I, co- I coached with his dad. So that was just a personal question. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, Ty, Ty's an awesome dude. He was a, he was a starting center my freshman year. So I was, I was playing tight end. He was a starting center and um, yeah, obviously he's coaching now. He's, he's, he's killing it. He's uh he's, he's young as heck and he's the tight ends coach at Penn state. And um, he's got a bright future. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, you graduate Penn state, you got two years left of eligibility and you choose UMass. Why, why the Minutemen? Yeah, funny story. So my my roommate in college at Penn State um, was a guy named Austin Whipple. Austin Whipple's dad 
was a guy named Mark Whipple, who was a longtime Steelers quarterbacks coach, NFL assistant, Eagles assistant, um, offensive coordinator at Miami. And then he had just gotten the, the head coaching job at UMass. So, um, so Mark Whipple um, was my connection there. And, and when I decided to leave Penn State, it was kind of a no-brainer just because Coach Whipple was like, I'll throw you the ball 15 times a game, so come to UMass. And that was, a, that was enough for me. I didn't want to block anybody. So um, yeah. that, that was enough for, enough for me to, uh, to go to UMass. So it was fun. And it ended up working out. I mean, called a ton of passes. We didn't win a whole lot of games, but, uh, but it was a fun time. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah, you're going to throw the ball 15 times my direction. Where do I sign? I don't blame exactly. it at all. It sold me. It sold yeah, me I, for sure. That's what's up. Well, you you go from UMass and you know you're this five star prospect. I'm sure, especially you being younger, you're like, hey, I'm going to the league. And then, like you said, injuries kind of derailed it for you. Uh, how was that adjusting from I'm league bound to, oh man, I, I physically cannot because of injuries. Yeah, good question. I mean, it was it was a, a tough uh, two years. You know, when I was at UMass. You know, I always had the goal of playing in the NFL. I had a left knee injury that was pretty bad for most of my career um, without without a real way to fix it. I had surgery on it a couple of times, but basically there was a piece of cartilage in my knee. I'll save you guys all the details, but a piece of cartilage in my knee that, that wasn't able to be repaired because there's no blood flow to cartilage in your knee. So uh, it basically was like bone on bone in my knee. You can't fix it. Same injury that Greg Oden stopped playing basketball for. If that's always what I remember, he retired right when after he got drafted. So same injury as uh, that Greg Oden had. Um, but, you know, you can kind of prolong it. And I was prolonging it and, you know, was having success at UMass. But the reality at UMass is I wasn't practicing. I was getting shot up before games with painkillers and anti-inflammatories. Um, you know, I, I would I would just go out and do walkthroughs. I wasn't lifting. It was I was just trying to figure out a way to do it. But with, with the goal to get to the NFL, hide my knee from the NFL, and then once I'm in the NFL, like tell them how bad my knee is and try to get any kind of surgery I can to fix it. Um, and just hopefully get paid for a little bit, but knowing that I can't play for a long time. And that was kind of the reality that I knew and my agent knew and my dad knew, my family knew, but no one else knew it because it was a big, we tried to keep it a big secret from the NFL. Because if you talk to the NFL, they thought I was going to be like a, you know, a top pick and um, no one knew how bad my knee really was. Um, you know, right when I finished at UMass, I just had two All-American seasons. I was going to the Senior Bowl. I started training for the draft and we realized pretty quickly once training started that like I couldn't even run without getting shot up with, with painkillers and stuff. I was like limping around. Um, we saw, I saw a bunch of, you know, I went to see Dr. Andrews, the famous doctor. Um, he's all over the place, but I went to see him in Florida. saw the Steelers team doctor. It was going all over the place trying to figure out a way to fix my knee. Um, and really just came to the realization pretty quickly that number one, you can't, you can't hide knee issues from the NFL because they, they figure everything out eventually. Um, and just that I wasn't going to be able to keep playing um, with the way my knee was. And it was tough. But, I mean, you know, it kind of is what it is. And I feel like I had a good career. And it was tough to be so close to the NFL and kind of have that happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just just kind of is what it is, man. It was, it, was a, it was a difficult time. But I was able to kind of, um, you know, bounce back. And there was always things I wanted to do in life other than just play football. So, um, you know, it, it, people always like tell me they felt so bad for me, but I, I also got to live in a, a life and an experience that very few people ever get to live, um, playing college football and having the level of success I had. So, um, uh, I'm grateful for it and I wish, wish my knee would out up a little longer, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, man. Absolutely. That's, that's a great answer. I think you said it in a couple of videos ago, I saw where it's like your identity was not, Hey, I'm a football player because you knew 
chances are we're not going to make it. So you, yes, you played football. That wasn't your identity. That's not who made you, which I thought was pretty dope to say. And so it's a lesson that a lot of young people need to learn because it's a, it's an unforgiving sport. Once it's done with you, it chews you out and spits you out and it's done. Like there's no coming back to it. Yeah. And you see a lot of guys that have to retire um, for a lot of reasons from whether they've had careers in the league or not, just uh, struggle with mental health and struggle with a lot of things. Um, you know, I said it in that video you're referring to, but you know, you, you can you can be really passionate and dedicated and make your whole sport your life and 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 want to want to reach the pinnacle of success in it, but also not let it define you as a person. And um, the the saying that I always tried to say, and I've heard a couple of people say it, is is football is what I do, but it's not who I am. Um, and I think that that's kind of you know the thing that I tried to remember throughout my time, whether it's edu- whether it's like making sure I got my degree, whether it's connections wise and the people I'm going to meet and. You know, I, I think that uh, even something that I wish I would have done more when I was playing was just like building my personal brand of like, you know, and, and making more connections because no, you're, you're never going to be as relevant and people are never going to care about you as much as they cared about you when you were having success playing football. Um, so for a lot of guys, I was just talking to Chase Edmonds about this the other day that the, the Cardinals running back who's now with the Dolphins. And I was like, dude, you should be all over TikTok right now because people are going to care about you more now than they ever will. Um, and it's something I wish I would have done more of, but you know, I think I did a decent job of just remembering that like, it's going to end someday for me. It ended sooner than I wanted it to, but you know, even if, even if you have a great career, you, you still have, you know, three fourths of your life left where you haven't, um, you know, one third, three fourths of your life where like, you got to figure out what you're going to do. And, and most people, it's interesting because most people, regular people like they peak in their life when they hit like forties and you're like, Oh, I'm making the most amount of money. I'm making, you know, I'm finally thriving, like with a family, like for pro athletes, you peak when you're like 23, you know, and then, and then it's all downhill from there. So it's definitely a weird dynamic that, you know, people struggle with a lot that I'm, I'm very, uh, cognizant of and, and have sympathy for. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Love to hear it. Uh, boys, any questions for Adam before we kind of put him on a hot seat here? How did you get involved with, uh, running Mike Reagan camp, Mike Reagan's campaign while you're at Penn State? This is unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it's a good question. That's funny. Um, so actually, there was a time period between when I went to when I left Penn State to when I went to UMass. There was like a four month gap in between there where I was like deciding what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And uh, Mike Regan was a, like a family friend that I, that was running for Senate in Pennsylvania. And I just like came back and started working for him and helping him, help him out. And I liked the I think I liked the political thing because it was so competitive that it was like playing a football game, you know, it's just like gloves are off or just nailing each other every, every way you can. So uh, that was fun. Yeah. I was, I spent a couple of, so a few months in politics and, um, had a, had a, had a good time. It's not, politics is definitely not for me though. It's a, it's a brutal, brutal business, but uh, I spent some time with it. I, I learned a lot. I met some really good people and yeah, Mike Regan, he's still a, still a Senator in Pennsylvania and he's a good friend. Oh, wow. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Is there any, you sort of slightly touched. Is there any correlation between football, American football, and you know uh, politics? You know the roughness, the brutality of that. I guess I, I would definitely say the yeah. I mean the, the brutality, the like you said, the roughness, the nastiness. I mean also just the competitiveness from the stakes being very very high. I mean in, in football, as you see, like you know if you lose a game, you got coaches that could lose ten million dollar jobs and. Athletic departments that can go down the tank and ADs that get fired and I mean and players that get benched and lose money and and contracts and then same with politics you know you got guys that have their jobs on the line every every two years running for office so mm. um, yeah there's a lot of correlations I think just it's it's very high stakes very cutthroat um, 
you know, it's almost everyone that's in it kind of has that life or death mentality almost every single day. And it's kind of, it can be stressful and, and probably not, probably not great for like a, for a uh, quality of life standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's exciting though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, obviously both things. Yeah, I mean, perfect. You wrapped it all up. Perfect. Great answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Did I ask to say other than that? <laughs> I got a question for you, Adam. Um, so I yeah. feel like now more than ever, there's more, um, of a spotlight on the tight end position and we're seeing more tight ends line up in the wide out and the slots, like, like a Kelsey, I mean, Jared cook, I think in 2020 lined up like 80% of his snaps, not in the tight end position. So yeah, I just getting your perspective, how do you see the position evolving? And, and I guess, where would you see it? I guess, where would you see it evolving to? Cause if, I guess if you think like the quarterback is the peak of football right now, the peak position, I guess where do you see that tight end trend going? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, it's definitely a definitely a sexy time to be a tight end. You know, it used to not be cool <laughs> to be a tight end. Like, like it used to be like the girls did not want to be with the tight ends. Like that was, but now it's like the cool thing to do. Like, and and you know, a lot of those guys, like you said, Kelsey and um, Kittle, and like, and even you know, guys like Evan Ingram. Like a lot of guys have made it a cool position because they, you know, they've had a lot of success. Um, playing it so and obviously Groff like he's the one who really made it cool um to play tight end uh but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting position it's one you know they everyone's called a tight end but really you have so many different types of guys in that role that really play different spots um you know and it's one of the different it's one of the only positions in football that you really think of other than like wide receiver a little bit but that where you may call a guy a tight end but like they line up all over the field in different spots based on what kind of tight end they are like if you're a running back you may be a power running back or a speed running back but you always line up at running back you know the same same with offensive line same with quarterback you may be a dual threat or pocket passer but you're always you just line up at quarterback tight end you got guys like mike kosicki evan ingram guys like that who never line up in line um who are split out wide 80 percent of the time that we still call a tight end so uh, it's a complex position right now um you know and it's it's a, uh, you know, we always try to, you always try to look for guys that, that can do multiple things and be multidimensional. I think, you know, the reality is that if a guy is just, is, if a tight end is not going to be physical and block or provide any value in the run game or block on the perimeter, then, then, then a team will just put a wide receiver in a game. So yeah. if you're not going to block, you're just, a, you're just a big slow wide receiver. If you, if you can't catch passes and run and stretch the field, then you're just, they will just put an extra tackle in the game. So, you know, you got to have guys that can do it all. And obviously people are going to have their strengths. But, uh, I mean, I think tight end will continue to be uh, one of the like premier positions of football just because of the versatility and the ability right now, contract-wise, with the cap space. Um, you know, it's a, it's a position that, that um, isn't all that expensive to, to have, you know, good players at. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to have a really good tight end than a really good wide receiver because of the, because of the money situation. So um yeah it's, it's it's an exciting time to be a tight end i'm excited to see the position evolve and obviously a lot of those guys are some of my friends that play in the league now so i'm excited to kind of see uh see where it ends up and who ends up being the cream of the crop come a couple of years yeah that's a good point I, I always think of like the Le'Veon bell scenario where he's getting targets both out the backfield and you know and out yeah. wide and so he's like well why don't you pay me like a wide receiver and so i think i think like you mentioned i think that that's going to be coming to a head pretty soon with some of these tight ends where they're getting a lot of targets out wide. They're, they're going to start getting paid the big bucks. So yeah, that's a good yeah, point. And it's, it's about that. I, I'm actually, um, 
I literally just recorded a video talking about this um, with regards to Mike Kosicki, the Dolphins tight end, who just got franchise tagged as tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, as you guys probably know, that when it, when someone when a player gets franchise tagged, that, that basically means that they're they're with the team for one more year, and for that one year, they get paid the top uh, an average of the top five players, the top five highest paid players to that position. So Gasicki for one more year gets paid the top the average of the top five paid tight ends in the NFL. Well, Gasicki lined up 90% of his snaps at wide receiver last year. And as you know, the top five wide receivers make a lot more money than the top five tight ends. Um, difference of about $7 million over one year. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of controversy right now. Not sure if anything's going to come of it or if Gasicki is going to do anything about it, but some, some talk that Gasicki really should be tagged as a wide receiver, which would make him earn $18 million next year instead of $11 million, which is, is a lot, is a big difference. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that whole thing's already, already starting up, you know, with the, with the receiver money versus tight end money. Who have you been able to land for some interviews? And I guess which interview is the most surprising to you? And then is anyone on your radar that you haven't gotten to yet? Yeah. So I, I've, uh, I've done four so far. Um, the Kenny Pickett, which already came out, Pat Fryermuth, which comes out tomorrow, um, the Steelers tight end, did uh, did Chase Edmonds. Uh, we actually did that one in Arizona because he was with the Cardinals, now with the Dolphins. And then I did a, a joint one with um, Amani Oriarie, the Lions uh, corner, who um, was like second in the league in picks last year. And also Jason Cabinda, the Lions fullback, who uh, who is, is, a, is an awesome personality. Um, so done those four, um, have a few more scheduled right now with Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, like I said, uh, working on schedule involved with Christian Kirk, the Cardinals receiver, trying to, I know Saquon Barkley pretty well from Penn State, but getting him to do an interview is like getting the president to get on an interview. So, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to land, trying to get that one done right now. So we've got a lot, a lot of things in the, in the cooker right now. So we'll see what we can get done. But, you know, the ones I've done, I've been really, Really, uh, I mean, probably the most fun one was probably the one with the, the joint one with Amani Oriarie and Jason Cabinda, just because those guys are two personalities, and we it was kind of fun to all be together. We played together in college. Um, Kenny Pickett was really cool just because of where he is from a national notoriety standpoint and just getting the chance to spend some time with him and talk about things like the hand size thing and him getting engaged and what he's going to do when he gets paid all that money and his plans for the draft and um, a lot of different things, and what, you know where he wants to go. If he thinks he's, the, if he thinks he'll be the first quarterback pick, so things like that were pretty cool. Um, yeah, they've been, they've been really fun. I mean, it's been awesome to kind of have the guys open up a little bit and, and kind of tell their story and and uh, show fans a different side of the guys that you like you wouldn't see if you just watched an ESPN interview, you know, or a Colin Coward interview. That you actually get to see them open up and get to go inside their home and and um, make it more personal. So I've been having fun with it for sure. That's awesome. Hey, yeah, I know you got to go here in about a minute or so. If you ever want to send those guys our way, feel free to send them our way. You know, we'll take, <laughs> yeah, we'll I'll take your leftovers, your sloppies. <laughs> uh, well, we have one listener who, who wrote a couple questions. I'm just going to ask you one because I know you got to bounce here. Uh, cool. But I thought it was a really fitting question because you jumped from being the youngest D1 coach to doing what you're doing now, making content and kind of becoming mm-hmm. this personality. Uh, and she wanted to know, when do you stop calculating risk and rewards and just do it? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good one. Um, that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's a good question because, you know, I think a a lot of times we waste so much time in life, like contemplating, like what's going to happen if this happens and contemplating different scenarios and things like that. And, you know, I, I have this saying that I, I have it hanging up, um, 
in my in my room and it says something like ideas are shit if you can't execute and <laughs> you know and i i always think that a lot of people have great ideas and and how do you make things happen and then like this whole content thing was something that you know i had this idea for a while of like i thought that there was a space that we you know for more kind of internet tiktok personalities talking about football and um telling stories and things like that and and you know there was some risk that went into it because i have to put, be be vulnerable and be on camera and you got to tell stories that you want to be comfortable telling and you got to you got to take advantage of some relationships you have and be careful you know anytime i go in there and talk about who the best tight end in the nfl is everyone that i don't say is in my dms you know getting angry about it so you know there's things like that but and there's a chance that doesn't go well you know so I think that at the end of the day, if, if there's a chance that something can be successful, I've, I've kind of had the mentality of let's figure out if it can be or not. And if it's not, then we adapt and adjust. You know, it's it's uh, it's the kind of the great ones just kind of do get things done. You just kind of doers instead of instead of excuse makers um, or, or instead of looking for why it's not going to work. So um, that's kind of been my, my mentality throughout my life. And that's kind of I think why I've done so many different things and been, you know, is just because I've been like, all right, let's do it. You know, let's let's see if it'll work and see if I like it and see how it goes. So, um, but yeah, it's a good question. I, I think, uh, yeah, like I, I, I think just just that quote, like I said, if ideas are nothing, if you, if you can't execute them. Absolutely. Hey, great answer. Uh, I know you got to bounce real quick. Final yeah, four sure, guys. prediction. Who are you going to pick? Oh, I, I just did a video on this yesterday. I mean, it's maybe like a homer pick, but like, I mean, Coach K is going to run off into the sunset <laughs> and, and, and go off in paradise. The confetti's going to come down. He's going to be, he's going to be on a floaty on the beach somewhere oh, for the rest of his life. Is one of the greatest of all time. So, <laughs> I, I love, love to hear it. Good job. Hey, Adam, thank you so much. If there's anything you want to plug real quick, go for it, dude. And can't thank you enough for joining us. You're welcome back. Anytime. I, I appreciate. It. I appreciate the time, guys. This was fun, and yeah, let me know. Uh, I'll hop on maybe in a few weeks or something. We do it again. Hey, sounds good, brother. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great conversation. Great dude. I, we only scratched the surface of what he's accomplished, which is truly amazing. <laughs> I mean, dude has a wild life, and uh, I can't wait to see where he goes from there. So pretty dope. Hopefully, we can get him back on and dive into some more questions. Uh, Andy White, you had asked like four or five questions. I apologize. We couldn't get to them all, but it, we had to get to our questions first. We were selfish, but that's all right. We'll, <laughs> we'll get you next time, girl. I promise. Uh, well, boys. We just had him on. Let's talk about a little NFL news, and uh, let's start with that draft. Nope. I do this every week. <laughs> you think one day I'll label it? Yeah. Who's our producer? Damn. Fire him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. NFL draft is right around the corner. We're less than a month away from it. I've got to know, do you guys have any must-haves and stay-aways or sleepers in this draft? That you're keeping an eye on. My biggest one is Malik Willis. Oh. Uh, anyone want to guess what what category I'm putting him in? Oh, stay away! <laughs> Sorry, no. I just I don't know. I feel like um, there I, I can't and I can't even think of the the statistics that I saw, but it was like his accuracy on oh what down was it? It wasn't pretty. Basically, if you kind of boil it down to the other quarterbacks. It was a pretty low accuracy percentage. Um, now, that's not saying a whole lot, but the media at this time of the year, especially after a hot pro day, man, they're really going to hype someone up. And I don't think the Lions are dumb enough to take him at two or even 32, but I I would just stay away from him in the first round. I, I don't know if Carolina is going to get ballsy enough to try to trade up for him, but 
he's kind of a stay away early. I mean, if you can snag him in like two or three, I'm cool with it, but don't get him this race. Yeah. Some of his X Factor stuff, it's amazing. Like his pro day was electric. His film has been awesome, but he played at Liberty. He didn't play against SEC defense every weekend. So it's, you're right. And I think it was his third down conversion that was pretty astronomically bad. I have, I think, I think you're right. It reminds me of like a Jordan Love, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I had to do it. But really, like a a quarterback that I think it's a good comparison. Yeah, it looks great, you know, a great pocket presence. But, like, what challenges do they face in college that you would feel pretty good about their potential in the NFL? Yeah. And I could be eating my words next year, but I wouldn't take them high. So that's mm-hmm. kind of my stay away category. It's a weird – I mean, like, when you said draft prospects, I was even trying to rack my brain, like, who are the the top – like, it, just in in other years – and maybe more recently we've been spoiled with quarterbacks. I think that's why is like the past few drafts we've had like Burrow and Lawrence and Herbert and some big names. I would stay away from quarterback in this draft just based on that alone. I I just don't think this is, you know, everyone's making moves to get quarterbacks outside of the draft. And, And I think that's probably, that's probably, this is not a draft that is very flash on the offensive side. Now, defensively, I mean, Kyle Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, Mm. he was one that seemed can't miss during the season. Just like, wow, I don't think we've seen a safety like this in a while. Um, I mean, hash to hash, silent, silent. Yeah. He covers it. Yeah, he's he's pretty outstanding. And then I don't really know. I mean, again, I think it's a defensive draft, so I think I would have to look more into some of these players and really get a feel. Just because I don't know, um, you know, outside of some of the offensive positions, I just don't know a lot of these guys. No, I I think you're right. You know, I, I wish we had Adam on a little bit longer because I like to pick his brain offensively because I think he studied these guys a little bit more than what we have. Because you're right, defense is what's this draft is known for right now. It seems like, and, and yes, you got you know Malik, and then you got Kenny from Pitt. What quarterbacks can be taken first? Are they worth a first round pick or maybe a second, third round pick? That's going to be up to team GMs to make that decision. Good thing we don't have to make that. Tim, I'm kind of with you. I think out of the quarterbacks, I think I, I'd rather have Kenny than Malik, just from what I've seen on film. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I don't know where either will go, but I, I'm i not quite buying the, the Malik hype yet. I mean, I think he'll be great, but like uh, – yeah, the stars were lining up, and the media was getting hot and heavy, and it was like, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I, with you. This is really random, but, like, <laughs> if I was a team, could I draft Cooper Manning? Like, just be like, you know what, like, he's still going to be in college. Almost like, a like you know, when David Robinson was drafted by the Spurs and he had to, he had to serve overseas. Like, can we just go ahead and, like, like if I've got the first pick, just draft Cooper Manning and I'll get him in three years or something. Just just because the talent pool at quarterback is really gonna be dead for the next for the next few years. I mean, that's a high, I mean, also these guys could actually work out and I could be my words, but I just don't see any of these quarterbacks working out. I mean, I don't blame you. It's worth a shot, right? To try to take him. Like, cause he he seems like the can't miss prospect coming out. Like he seems like he's gonna be 
Like, I just think that's going to be the next draft where we go, oh, quarterbacks, they're back. Yeah. Like, like we actually have some excitement. I just think we've been spoiled for the past, like, three seasons I think of fair. having just yeah. drafts loaded with quarterbacks. Yeah. Let me give you one quarterback name, and you can mark this down. And This is the best take I'll ever have on the show. I am going to write on sticky. Jarrett Garantano played for Tennessee, then he went on and played for Washington State for a year. And Washington State had all that coaching mess and the COVID protocols and all that good stuff. Had a couple injuries at Tennessee, never got a full. He's going to be a sleeper guy that's like, he's going to last the longest in the league. He's going to do something special in the league. That's just my hot take. Like, what do you right mean now, by do something special? Like, win a playoff game? I think he's going to have the better career out of any quarterback here. Well, what does that mean? Ooh. I mean, these guys aren't even going to make the roster. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, Pickens. You want to say like a pro? You want to say like a Pro Bowl? He'll make a Pro Bowl. He'll make a Bowl. wins a playoff game. What do you want? Wins a playoff game. I'll, I'll one of the two. Wins playoff game or Pro Bowl. Okay. Watch this guy not even get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Matt, any any draft sleeper must have stay away for you. I haven't been looking into it. The only prospect I was looking into was um, old David from Michigan, uh, who we talked about last week, but uh, only because he was British. I'll be honest, I don't really look that forward into the draft. Um, but yeah, there we go. Hey, I don't blame you. Well, there's one guy that we've had on the show before, and he's getting a lot of hype. Isaiah Likely. Number three oh, tied in on the board. Yeah, he's ranked number three right now, sometimes four, but I think Melly's ranked number three tight end. And so I'm curious to see. Hopefully he gets taken a little bit early on and we get to see him have an amazing career because, I mean, he was a pretty good, cool guy to have on. And, uh, yes, he played for Coastal, but we, we feel partial to him. Moving on from the draft, Tim, I know you had to be so jacked up yesterday. Not only did you get a single piece of good news, you got double dipping on good news for Motor City. And the Lions. Lions are going to be on hard knocks this coming season. We can't wait to have it. And then you get the 2024 NFL draft at Ford Field, baby. You've got to be ecstatic for this. You know, I like the draft. I don't mind that. Um, Hard knocks, we were talking a little bit before this. I've never actually watched any hard knocks. I've seen a couple clips back when I think it was the Raiders with Gruden. But, like... um, I don't know. I'm kind of scared. Like, <laughs> there's this, there's this mystique about looking at the, like I follow the Lions YouTube channel and they'll have their press conferences and stuff, and I'll watch that. But there's this mystique of like, you know, seeing that, but like kind of peering behind the press stand and being like, oh, what's, what's back there? Do I want to know? Do do I even want to look, or do I just want to stay? I don't know. It, it, I'm nervous. I guess I'm going to watch it, and I'll, I guess I'll just give you guys my thoughts every week. But I'm kind of scared. Dude, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like it. I am so excited for you because if it couldn't be Cincinnati, I was like, please God, let it be Detroit because Dan Campbell, <laughs> Stone Cold, and two pots of coffee every morning, and just buying kneecaps. Oh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be electric television. I think y'all, uh, I think y'all outbid or got you guys beat the Packers for. Um hosting the draft the Packers have been trying to we've been trying to get that in Lambeau or in Green Bay for I don't know how many years now and we I know our selling point is we're gonna have this great like we can talk about the NFL history 
and and have people tour the stadium and all this and they just won't do it they're like nope <laughs> not this year we're not taking them to green bay so hey you beat the packers at something so that's that's there you go i think i think that just goes to show you you know nfl they understand what's coming and it's the lions so you guys just be ready for it a few years yeah uh, matt fitz how shitty is it that cleveland got a draft before green bay I mean, I it's just Green Bay's small market, small town. They're just, but bigger isn't always better. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, true. that's what she said. What are the yeah. chances that uh, the Lions have the first pick in 2024? Uh, you know. It, we can we can do another bet here, Matt, because you didn't cool. do great on the first one. I think I'm pretty sure the Jags will have a higher pick than the Lions in 2024. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, I'm so tempted to take that. <laughs> I'm so tempted. The last bet was close. Ooh, that was close. It was very close. Tim, let him hang. Say the Lions are going to have a better draft position than the Packers in 2024. Oh, that actually is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's it. I'm calling it. Bet a mortgage on it. Let's go to work. We're taking the division in a couple of years. I don't know what the problem is here. It's hard to take. Anybody all, all the kneecaps getting bit off here. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I'm excited for you, Tim. I this is the season you have to watch Hard Knocks. I think it's gonna be awesome. Uh, other big NFL news, and this broke, I think, Wednesday, the day after we aired episode 95. But Tyreek Hill choosing to take his talents down to South Beach, returning home to Miami. Uh, now. A lot of people saying the fastest wide receiver duo, Tyree Kill, Jalen. I mean, what do you guys say here? Oh, I didn't think of that. Fastest receiver duo. I mean, not that that makes you good. Correct. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think I thought about there'd be, um, be some serious pressure on Tua this season. How fast yeah, is Tyler Lockett? Because <laughs> I'm thinking of DK. I'm not. I'm not sure he's even in the neck of the woods. They're not even in the conversation. But yeah, I mean, Matt, you're right. There's been so many memes about like Tua and like Mm. just Tua. If you cannot get one of these guys the ball, the ship sailed on you. Like I, I hate to say, and I, I think Tua will have a good year. I I hope, but it's his chance. Miami. It's just a shitty organization. What we, what they did to Brian Flores and stuff, but. This is yeah. This is his chance, Fitz. Like, if he can't get it done now, done, dead. Yeah. Put him through a table. But hey, if Tua can ball out, this is a, this could be a sneaky team of the future. You know, yeah. they've had some pieces on. They've had defense kind of figured out the past couple of years. Well, kind of figured out. Um, but then, yeah, it just feels like they just need a running back. I don't know if they figure that out yet, but you got Buffalo and then everybody else right there, and, and Patriots, Dolphins. I mean, it's really anybody's division. You're absolutely right, and then the Jets. But forget them. Mm. Well, they just also picked up Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I mean, there's a run game. Like, nah, I don't know. See, I think you need you need someone else there. Maybe they're playing the drafted guy. Maybe that's what they're going to try to go for. I don't know. Yeah, Miami's going to be sneaky. It's just crazy that. The top two receivers playing with the top two quarterbacks. And you talk about Tyreek Hill with Mahomes, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams with Rodgers, and they yeah. both left. And this well, one more significant because I think, you know, Adams 
you know, he at least went to a playoff team. You know, like that's a team that, yeah. you know, could be making a run here. But, you know, Miami, there's not much going on there. You know, it's it's crazy. Like a lot of guys will leave to go get a ring. Hill's doing the opposite. Ah, I already got a ring. I don't need it. I already got a ring. I'm going to go chill. I'm chilling with my boys. Yeah. Me, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, we're hanging at the beach. Let's go. Will Smith. We'll talk. Tim's got a hot take and I'm excited for it. We'll talk about it here in a second. That's definitely the spud of the week right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But my mind was blown. He chose Miami, but he's from there. I get it. Maybe he's just mad that Juju and Jackson are going to make TikToks without him. I don't know. One more NFL set of news here. The Rooney rule has been expanded, and and a lot of rules broke today. Uh, But this one, really significant because it forces NFL teams to hire a coach of minority for offensive staff's purposes. Um, And and they have to be a, a, like, not quality control, but like an actual position or coordinator coach. And it's only on offense, not defense. Uh, and, and so you got guys like Brian Leftwich and Brian Enemy who are really the only two uh, minority coaches in offensive roles. A lot of minority coaches are more defensive sided, just in the NFL, the way it's shaking up right now. Uh, but this is forces coaches or forces teams to hire a minority for the offensive side. How do you guys feel about that? Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. You know, I've, it, it's a double sided sword almost because, like, yes, the NFL, we, it's proven, like, it's a broken system and they do not hire minority coaches typically. And so something has to be done, but to force the team to do it, that's not a good message, right? That's not a good sign, but you have to force them. So they will hire them. So it's, I'm kind of torn on it. It's just weird that it's gotta be specifically offense. I think it is me, super that's, weird. That's what's weird. Like if it was, you know, your staff has to consist of blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think it'd be as weird, Yeah, but specifically offense. Cause it's almost like, are we hiring the best person for the job or now we have to, we have to do that. But you know, with now we're not interviewing anyone who's Caucasian. Yeah. Yeah. Just weird. Just like kind of weird. Like, I don't, I don't know what you do with that. I agree. I understand. I understand the, I don't know if I would want to say the purpose, but I understand like why they would want to implement something like that. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. the execution seems to, is just weird. <laughs> a little head scratching. Yeah. And like, like I said, the only justification I could find is there was more minority coaches on the defensive side of the ball than offense by about double the amount. Matt, Tim, any thoughts on it? Yeah, there's just no way you could implement more, you know, if the minority coaches into the game without pissing people off or making or trampling on a few brambles, you know. Um, you know, I like it. Um, you know, yeah, there is the whole conundrum. You know, positive discrimination is still discrimination. Um, but you would think, we would hope, say we do this for 10 years, five, 10 years, and then, you know, we've got an X amount of people, you know, in the game. And then after that, they go, oh, maybe we can get rid of that rule now because, you know, there are good coaches to that level. Um, you know, there's a similar issue in... Premier League football or just worldwide football where pretty much nearly all the football managers are white. So, yeah. Yeah, this was a take I heard from actually Stephen A. Smith. I don't I don't listen to him or I haven't listened to him often. But he had a good, really, a really interesting point on this. Um, and this was actually months ago. This was before this rule even came out. 
Uh, and Stephen A. said, there's this perspective where, you know, African-American or sorry, just uh, black uh, defensive coordinator coaches who do a great job. You know, they work hard and they're, you know, they're promoted to a head coach position. And I think of like Anthony Lynn, where, mm. you know, he did great as defensive coordinator. He, his work ethic is through the roof. Like, you know, he's tough nose. He's he's you know, he's just going to get the job done. But if you see these uh, black African or sorry, these black offensive coordinators like the enemy, you start to see more of this shine go to the head coach. Oh, Eric or uh, yeah, Eric Reed is Andy Reed. Andy Reed. Andy Reed is yeah. this offensive guru, and you're not seeing anything kind of given to the enemy. Which you know that's his perspective, but it was an interesting one where it was like you know his point was that. Uh, just because, uh, you know, an offensive position is thought to be more of a uh, intellectual, you know, you got to be smart to play this and, and to, to plan these things out. And the way Stephen A had pitched it was that it's not necessarily viewed the same way on the offensive side as it is the defensive side with black coaches. So, that is the only point I can think of as to why they targeted specifically an offensive position. Yeah. Um, I think it's a valid point, but like Matt had said, you know, and, and everyone really, it's going to be an awkward position because now you, you can make the same argument the other way. We can't mm. hire the person we want to hire. Well, that was the issue with the Rooney rule. You know, you had these players or these people come in for the interviews and to check these boxes, well, are you hiring the person you want to hire, or are you doing it just to just to check a box? And right. So I don't know. It's it's tough. This isn't the way you want to go about it. You, you I would you would hope that it would be more natural, but unfortunately, it's come to this because it's it just hasn't happened. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think everybody hit the nail on the head here for it. Uh, the other rule change that was announced today is that both teams get a chance with the ball in overtime in the playoffs. In the playoffs, okay. Yep, only in the playoffs. So now we don't have another Bills-Chiefs game where Josh Allen's sitting on the bench and he gets to watch his team lose because Bills defense couldn't stop anybody. Um, or on the flip side, Patrick Mahomes no longer sitting on the bench anymore watching Joe Burrow take the team to the Super Bowl. So so what's the official rule? Both teams when, will get a chance with the ball. So whether you go for two or kick, it's up to you. But Okay, because I saw one – they were as I guess as they were trying to draft it, they came up with one solution. That, so I, I I don't think they decide on this, but they said if you score a touchdown, if you kick, the other team would get a chance. But if you went right. for two, and you got it, it'd be over. It'd be over. Yeah. But it sounds like no, either way. No, it seems either way. Yep. Yeah, that's that's probably better too. Okay. Only trying it for playoffs. So I'm curious to see how that goes, how that shapes up. Because if you're a team that was one game behind. And you lose in overtime because of this. You're thinking, I could have been in the playoffs if we had had this rule in regular season. But I guess it's a tryout method. I call bullshit. Yeah, you don't like it. <laughs> yeah, this this is a terrible rule. Terrible. I don't care if it's postseason or regular season. It's like uh, Mike Tomlin had a great quote, and he said, "You have 60 minutes to get it done. You don't need overtime. If if you need overtime, then you're doing it wrong. You had 60 minutes to do it before." I like – that's not <laughs> stupid because now you're – so well, sometimes okay. like – sometimes it takes more than like 
again, that's the that's the whole point is in 60 minutes, it's not even decided. The Bills Chiefs would even argue in overtime. You know, that's why this rule came out. It wasn't decided. That game could have just kept going. Right. And I think it ended appropriately. I don't I don't I don't have any issue with how it ended. I think So you like a coin deciding it? Uh not necessarily like look at the Bengals. Look at the Bengals. Yeah, but the coin decided it though. But they had to get a defensive turnover, right? From Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah. like there's it's so it's this skews it even more towards the offense. Like there's two sides of the ball. You gotta let the defensive step up when they need to. And I just I don't know. I don't like it. I think I thought it was fine how it was. Uh, I was even more in favor of. I think it was. So I can't remember who came up with that rule or that oh, suggested the Ravens, right? But the Ravens, where it was like, oh, I never. Or no, the Titans. It was the Titans where they said, you know, you score a touchdown, you get a two point conversion, you win, you hit kick a field goal, the other team gets. I I even like that more than what they chose. What they chose is just. Eh. I thought you were oh. going to give me credit for coming up with the. Um do what they do in soccer and have the field goal kickoff. <laughs> oh, I still, I, I, I swear by that. I think with this new overtime rule, I feel like, because what do you do once it's tied? Like if you score and you go for two and the other team gets a chance, they score, they go for two. And then what do you do? And I'm like, dude, they should just do a, a kickoff, you know, 30 yeah, yard line, goal. 40, 50, yeah. Till someone miss like a like the soccer free the free kick shootouts yeah yeah I like it Tim I knew you woke up and chose violence when you rocked that black hoodie on for tonight oh this man's coming <laughs> for all the NFL hot takes <laughs> all right uh, let's talk about a little March Madness and then Matt's got a little footy corner for us which I'm excited for because it deals with USA USA uh, but Final Four is ahead of us and we have history Duke UNC First time ever meeting in the NCAA championship tournament, and they're meeting in the final four of Coach K's last ride. How fitting is this? How amazing is this? Number two, Duke versus number eight, UNC. On the other side, number two, Nova versus number one, Kansas. This is the blue blood final four. The best of the best programs historically are here pretty much. Uh, who are we picking? Who's our winners? How do we feel at the tournament? It's about to go down. Well, obviously, so crazy with Duke, North Carolina playing because of, you know, we already thought it was Coach K's last ride. You know, like this is obvious, like what everyone's talking about. Um, but like watching everyone in, you know, in the um, – what's Duke Stadium? I can't even think of Cam- the name. Uh, Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't coming up. But everyone in Cameron, you had like J.J. Reddick. And you had Christian Leitner. You had Christian Leitner. You Grayson had Shane Allen. Battier, Grayson Allen. And they're all sitting there with the Mike McDee face and rounders where they're just, I can't believe we just like crapped out. Like, I can't believe we just lost like in Coach K's last game. Um, and it and it's not over yet. I mean, they've got a chance to to redeem. But how crazy would it be? that they see North Carolina again in the final four and North Carolina hands them coach K like coach K can't avoid it. Like his last game is supposed to lose to North Carolina. Like that's just destiny. Like he's just supposed to lose to these guys and he can't avoid it. So either way, I mean, this is, 
this is the most exciting matchup between these between these two teams with everything at stake. It's going to be awesome. I'm pumped for it. And it fits on the flip side. I think Duke has been praying and wishing to, to the Blue Devil himself that UNC keeps winning so they get revenge for Cameron Indoor. Ooh, I, 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 I don't feel think so. I think this is the one team they don't want to play. That's your bias and my bias showing through. But, Tim, Matt, take it away. What do you got? Um, yeah, I haven't watched a single <laughs> I hate this game. guy. <laughs> um, but I'm actually, the group chat. I think I'm actually going to I'm gonna watch this game. Uh, yeah, because the local, the hometown uh, rivalry. But really, like, like you guys have laid out, this is kind of matched up. Like, this – the solar, the planets are aligned, and everything's, you know, it's all leading to Saturday night, and it's going to be fun. Like whether you're a fan of these teams or not, the story behind it, you know, there's going to be a documentary on this in 10, 20 years of how Saturday night goes and the trajectory of either team. I think whoever win, or yeah, I think the winner of Saturday night's game between these two will end up winning. Um, but I, yeah, it's going to be electric. Matt, what do you think? This is just a great story, isn't it? You know, um, I feel like Coach K is going to dig deep now. Surely, after after being humiliated and embarrassed, you know, in that lost, you know, the last game of the regular season, sure, I would good be back in Duke. I mean, it's two. The game is on at two o'clock in the morning, so. I might not watch it, but uh, <laughs> I'll watch the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I think what's crazy is when they played at Cameron, you know, and Duke, it, they're trying to win and and lock a number one seed. And I just felt like after that game, I thought Duke's going to be – they're going to be done early. They're they're not going to make it to the Sweet 16. I bet Jay Gray. I was like, I'm, I do not believe in the ACC. <laughs> uh, North Carolina was just so hit or miss this year. Like they they could hang with the best, but then they would lose to to somebody that that they didn't deserve to. But they're just peaking at the right time somehow. I I don't know how this runs worked out for them. I don't know if it's just the matchups they've had. I know Baylor was the weakest number one team. Uh, just as far as like injuries and and probably being a little bit overrated just because they were the champs. Um, UCLA was a favorable matchup for them. It's just kind of worked out. I mean, and you got St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. I mean, you you get to play against the 15 seed. uh, But this it's kind of just worked out for them. And that's where I worry about this Duke matchup. Like, I I feel like Duke could really hand them – like they they could just – demolish Carolina they could beat Carolina by like 16 you know and that wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me it's kind of like okay yeah the Tar Heels are they're kind of the imposters I don't know if they deserve to be here still trying to figure out Hubert Davis too because like if you look at the other I want to jump to the other coaches uh, or the other teams there it's like you look at the coaches in this final four you got coach K you got Bill Self and Jay Wright and, you know, for Bill Self, I don't think he's won as many as we thought he would. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance for him. This is a this is a Kansas team that I think it's like, okay, it's Bill Self's turn. But then Jay Wright, if Jay Wright wins, it's how many championships for Villanova 
in the past decade. This might be number three for them. Yeah. So yeah. like then you put Jay Wright in the conversation of, is Jay Wright, you know, the greatest college coach of the of the last decade that taken Villanova to the top. So it's very interesting. And with North Carolina, it's doing this without Roy Williams. You know, Roy Williams is watching from the stands like that's my that's my team. <laughs> and you got Hubert Davis, and we're all trying to figure out. Like Hubert Davis was supposed to be the coach who came in for like a couple years before they figured out who the next guy is going to be. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, is you know what happens now? Like if Tim's prediction works out, if they beat Duke, win the Natty, Hubert Davis is he? <laughs> see the next best thing? It's just it is. It's wild that the heels are are still here. Yeah, it, it's real wild. I think you're right. It's, you know, Roy Williams was in that spot where he was taking over for Dean Smith and they were like, hey, he'll be he'll be a filler role. And then Roy Williams has a great career. So, yeah, that's a good comparison. I think Hubert Davis seems he's off to a great start. Slate just joined us. Slate, file four prediction. Who you got for us, big dog? Uh, hashtag ride the Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Cox ain't in anymore. It's bullshit. It's rigged. <laughs> hey, shout out to the Peacocks though. Every time they were on, they'd show Doug Doug either the guy with the hair and the mustache. And I would just quote Dodge by that. Look at the hair, Cotton. Feathered <laughs> and lethal. You just don't see it these days. Um, um who who's in the final four? I know Carolina Duke, obviously you gotta be from Carolina, gotta care. Uh Nova, Kansas. Nova, Kansas. Um, all right, let's go. Sweet, sweet revenge tour. Coach K versus Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Let's go, Duke. You know, I like that. I like. I think. I think uh, Coach K deserves that. Let's go. The, the greatest, but that's what the people want. I'll give him that. Hey, Jay Grace, pump. You know, she's a big Jay Jayhawk fan, so she's pumped for this matchup. Pumped for this weekend. Going to be some great Final Four action. Uh, Tip off Saturday night. I think Duke and UNC have the first game at seven or eight o'clock, and then Nova Kansas have the later game. So, Jager is a Kansas fan. Jager has a lot of weird like <laughs> affiliate. What like, weird? Jager has like the weirdest college team she roots for that make no <laughs> sense whatsoever. Seems seems like the biggest troll. Like. I'm just going to pull for whoever's number one right now. It's something Tim would do, but Jay Gray like, knows the mascots, obviously. She knows like the it's, background it's something history. It's Tim would do, but without the satire. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited for these games. It's going to be awesome. Uh, speaking of games, Matt, you got some great footy action for us. What do you got for us? Yeah, so uh, we'll start things off uh, with the Canadians. They uh, – had a bit of a mishap uh, uh, last Thursday, but they did come back and they beat um, Jamaica 4-0, which means they are going to the World Cup for the first time since '86. And this, they're a very good side, a very good team. They've got some great European players. Well, players are playing Europe, you know what I mean? Uh, Fonzo Davis plays with Bayern Munich, plays from every game. He's unbelievable. Uh, and they've got a few players that play in the French League. Uh, they'll be a serious force. Uh, going forward into the World Cup this year and the World Cup next year because uh, Canada are kind of hosting it. Yeah. Hey, um, plus, they have all those players, but they have a sword, Matt. You're not even talking about the sword. They have a what? sword that they travel with. 
that has Qatar 2022 written on it. It says like slice out fear or something in Latin or whatever it is. Oh, and they like carry that. this thing to every match they go to, but the only match that they couldn't take it to because customs took it was Costa Rica. That's why they lost. Wow. Yep. Found that out today. I was like, all right, we've got to talk about this fucking sword because this is something like Tim would be like, yeah, we got a sword for soccer. It's fine. Let's <laughs> roll with it. Unbelievable. I love oh, that. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I could get well behind that. I absolutely love What that. kind of sword is it? it I don't know. It's a, it's a, is it like a katana or a long sword? Or it's it's a long sword. It's like a medieval sword. It's that the Ooh, handle's right okay. there. I can't. I don't know what the yeah. The, all I can see is close to the handle. Yeah. It's your standard broadsword. Yeah. <laughs> nice even kilt weight. Uh, um, <laughs> perfectly balanced. <laughs> One finger, as all things should be. Mm. I wonder if they named the swords. Oh yeah, I bet they did. Mm. Like old maple. Something like that. But yeah, so congrats to Canada. Unbelievable. Uh we'll see who they got in the in the group stage of the actual World Cup. Uh and then we'll move on to the States. Uh Thursday night had an absolute board draw with Mexico, but you know, um they did what you did, you know, they didn't lose. Um but in the next game, uh they absolutely battered Panama and Christian Pulisic had an absolute well cracking game. Uh, got a hat trick, unbelievable, unbelievable. Couple of penalties in there as well. Pan, uh, Panama, terrible at tackling people. Um, yeah, this was a great game, uh, and just shows off on home soil. USA actually really good. I think their record on home soil is ridiculous. They've scored like fourteen goals to three game uh, to three against, uh, which is ridiculous, really ridiculous considering the teams they're playing against. Um, but yeah, USA on the cusp of qualification to the World Cup. Just the cusp. Thursday night, they are playing, sorry, Wednesday night, they are playing Costa Rica. USA are through to the World Cup if they don't lose 6-0. If they lose 5-0, they're through. If they lose 6-0, they're out. So... Yeah. Uh, USA on 22 points Costa Rica on sorry USA on 25 Costa Rica on 22 but USA have a much better goal difference than Costa Rica um, yeah they should be absolutely fine they should well be in the World Cup if they somehow didn't make it this would be the weirdest thing ever to happen <laughs> it would be absolute bonkers uh, but if America lose and Costa Rica win by 2 or 3 and Mexico lose means Mexico get knocked out. So that might be quite exciting to watch. And Mexico have got, uh, well, they've got El Salvador, who aren't very good. So they should win anyway, but it doesn't matter. Come on. El Salvador, great country. Great footy. I have to defend them here, Matt. Don't put me in that box. Lovely Don't people. You do that. Lovely people. Lovely country. Uh, I know it very well. Uh, but the football, hmm. We're going to stop right there. Right. Uh, no, this game is exciting. And like you said, the U.S. just can't lose by 6 nothing. If we lose 6 nothing, we don't deserve to be in the World Cup anyway. Yeah, 100%. Uh, if you're going to bet on this game Wednesday night, what are you taking? you taking Costa Rica money line, U.S. money line, draw, not even touching it. There'll be a bit of rotation. And I think uh, might try a few youngsters. The game is away. Costa Rica really strong at home. They just beat Canada. 
Um, and Costa Rica will send absolutely everything forward. I actually might think Costa Rica might win this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to be an absolute. It's going to be like one or two. It's not going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like the over-under at one and a half goals. I feel like that's super oh, low for this game. I feel that. like I'm going to hammer that take over, right? That. Take yeah. that. Okay. Take that. 100%. Good deal. Uh, one more thing about football. Mm-hmm. The World Cup group stage draw is on Friday. So once this comes out, uh, we will all know uh, who England, Canada, USA, hopefully, Brazil, Argentina, Germany, France, etc., etc., who they've got in the World Cup. So that is very exciting to see. So next time we'll be talking, we could be talking about England playing uh, the States in the oh, World Cup. We've got to put something on that if that happens. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be awesome. So there we go. Thank you, Matt. Good footy corner. All right. Real quick before I run a question. Stud to spud. Spud to stud. We've kind of preluded this a little bit. Just take it, Matt. I know you want it. Take it. Okay. Well, my spud is not going to be what happened at Oscars. My spud is going to be the Italian national football team. After winning the Euros, they are knocked out at the World Cup. They will not be at the World Cup. Uh, They had to go for playoffs for like a second way to get into the World Cup. And they had to play... North Macedonia, you know, a tiny little country, good footballing nation, but, you know, Italy should be batting them, absolutely smacking them. Uh, there's this uh, Italian striker, Mattia Berardi. He missed about six seriously good chances, <laughs> six chances. Italy had about 14 corners in the game. It was ridiculous. Like, you know, North Macedonian goalkeeper was about the busiest man alive and um, in the 94th minute Bull was sent long, it dropped down and this North Macedonian lad just absolutely kicks it and it went top, uh, bottom left corner and it was absolute raptures and it was hilarious and it felt so good to watch, so good <laughs> It is wild to think Italy like yeah, goes from the highest to highs to the lowest to mm. lowest real quick Yeah I stud the spud. I think I think it has to be Will Smith, but that's totally not sports related. Hey, we're, I, let's let, let it roll, baby. I think it. I think it trumps everything else this week. Yeah, I don't have a good one this week. I, I'll say I'm going with the Peacocks. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so upset. Hammered the plus seven and a half. Hammered. Yeah, I got. Was that going to be about twenty? Something yeah. like that. Insane. Insane. Yeah. Sorry, Doug. Love you, but come on. Come on, come on man. No, you know, on the flip side of that, though, there are 15 seeds that make the Elite Eight. Saheed Holloway has done an amazing job with that program. And and you hate to see a Cinderella run in that way. You hope it was a closer game. I hope it was a closer game. It ruined my parlay. But other than that, it felt real good. And uh, so on the flip side of that coin – Saheen Holloway, we didn't even know his name. We didn't know St. Peter's existed up until this tournament. And that's my spud to stud. Yeah, he's off to Seton Hall now, the head coach. That's what I saw. So I believe it. Kind of stud to spud St. Peter's. <laughs> <laughs> like, this may, this may be it. But what a way to go out. I mean, what a way to... What a way to ride off in the sunset. I mean, obviously, you'd like to go to a Final Four or a Natty, but Elite Eight's pretty solid. Solid AF. All right. Random question. 
I got one if you guys Ooh. don't have anyone off the top of your head. No one's still about potatoes. I want it. I want it. I don't know if we've done this, so stop me if you've heard it before. <laughs> if you could see any two people in a slap boxing fight, who would it be? <laughs> I I gotta go first. I'm sorry. I want to see a heavyweight title, Chris Rock, Will Smith. I think if you give Chris Rock, Chris Rock had like a healthy chance, he might put down Will. He's got the crazy strength. I think it's a lot. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Will, he doesn't even have a good stance. Like he was off kilt. Like, I don't know. And Chris That's Rock an emotional clearly, slap, though. But, but Chris yeah. Rock clearly took that emotional slap. Well, and he wasn't even expecting it, and he took it. Like, he, he just sat he up, and he was that. just like, I just got the shit hit out of me. But he like he ate it, yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be like a good pay-per-view event. What are y'all's picks? I, I agree, though. I agree. I'm going Juwan Howard and Will Smith. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. And Will Smith? <laughs> They're crazy enough to assault people in public. <laughs> <laughs> They're about that life. Now put them in sanctioned events. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Speaking of... You know, going off piggybacking off of that, I'm going Charlie Murphy, Rick James. I mean, we need that. We need that. Bring that back. Might actually play out. Oh, God. Charlie Murphy. My <laughs> finger said to the face. Um, if I had to pick one that's recent at a celebrity feud, it's going to be Kanye and Pete Davidson. Oh, yes. Now, this okay. counts that. All right, I, I got the match of all matches. I got the mom of the kid that gets eaten in Jaws, <laughs> Miss Kittner, and Hasbula. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> the Kittner mom slaps the shit out of Chief Brody. I mean, like, just slaps the absolute piss out of him. And Hasbula is just, like, unhinged. So that's the matchup I want. He's to a see. menace. Yeah. He's a menace for sure. <laughs> That Sunday conversation with Caleb Presley and Barstool, that was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Hey, great show. Can't thank Adam Brindeman enough. Go check him out on TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. He's got some really dope things coming out and some great interviews. We got to do the parlay. Oh, no. Pub parlay, what are we doing? Cute little scrappy. Thanks, Jesus. It's been so bad, we forgot. Yeah, it's been rough. But we're going to change how we're doing this thing. I'm putting a 100 on whatever we bet. No. What? We're letting it. it down, and we're Don't winning big. I'm trying to win big enough so all five of us can quit our day jobs and just do this full time. Even get oh, Matt a green gosh. card over here. Okay? Oh, That's how big we're going. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't like so this at all. <laughs> I'm betting $5 on mine. Oh, no. <laughs> just an easy five. We're doing it. Let them hang, Fitz. I got a safe pick. Well, not a. It's a. It's a little bit of a risk, but I think it's. There's a chance it could hit. Do you want me to start this off? Start it. I got Charlotte Hornets over the Philadelphia 76ers Saturday. It's a 12:30 game, which is always weird, like a noontime game. Okay. Uh, Hornets have been hot, so have the Sixers, but but Hornets they're trying to fight for that. For that final playoff spot, I don't know. I just I'm I'm feeling it. I think so. I don't know. Uh, if you're trying to hit big, I guess we just gotta take it straight up. Not even look at the points. Go big, baby! I love it. 
even though 76ers are pretty damn hot right now. But we're going yeah, no, for it. Hornets, Hornets have been on a roll. They, okay. I think they lost to the Nuggets by four, but then they beat like the Nets and a few other teams. Yeah. So they got Saturday. So if we're doing anything, let's go Saturday. Shit. Final four games are Saturday. That's why I picked Saturday. Not all of them. Women's, Women's college basketball yeah. is. Oh, we could do those two. We could do those two. Money. I'm going. Oh, wait. No. UConn. No, we can't. Sorry, Jeez. NBA's weird. I know. I know. Well, in that case, I'm going to go boring. I'm going to go boring. Chelsea to beat Brentford. Nice. Saturday. Premier, Premier League's back Saturday. Premier huh? League's back. Premier League's back this Saturday. Love it. I'm going to take um, Colorado Avalanche over Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday. Oh, dude, the Pitt- Avalanche have been hot. Pitt- well, Pittsburgh just came off that monstrous 11-2 to whomping. But I think, man, I think the Avalanche, oh, they're going to crush them. Give me, the, give me the Avalanche. Straight up. Hey, where's that at? Is that in Pittsburgh? No, Colorado, eh? I love it. The high altitude. Let's go. We're hitting big. We're about to stop all our day jobs, baby. Let's go. Shit. No, I'm I'm lost here. <laughs> I'm lost. I was ready to Find hammer it. you kind. Find it. Find it. Uh do you, you know, know who plays Saturday? Let's go. Do what? Do you know who plays on Saturday this week? Your wolves. Well, let's go to Wolves. I don't care who they're playing. We're going with the Wolves. <laughs> if, if you need a big parlay to hit, then you always oh, back the Wolves. Man. Who are they playing? Aston Villa. Oh, now, oh. Higher the League, it is a they call a Midlands Derby. Um, I actually, they've got good odds, and I actually think they're going to win. Let's go. Let's go. Wolves. God, this has got sweeter. I'm taking Duke minus four and a half. They're covering the spread. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. You got to stay away from the... Hate it. All you want, I'm taking it. (laughs) Hate, hate, hate. hate. Hammer it. All you hate is ball. You can't touch Tobacco Road. Fitz, every pick you've made for March Madness, I'm like, I know, but I I wouldn't touch I've gone the opposite. I've made so much money this past week off you. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Hey, Matt, next week, me and you, we got to talk F1. Because I'm, I'm invested. Oh, yes, we will. We will indeed. <laughs> hey, I love it. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week for another amazing episode. We're only what, four episodes away from 100 right now. Mm. Big time stuff coming. Year two coming up. Big stuff. DeMarco Jackson coming on next week. We got two players from Savannah Banana Slugs coming on the week after that. Smack Apparel coming on <laughs> the week after that, after that. We got guests lined up left and right, baby. Let's go. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you guys next Tuesday. Bye. Have a wonderful time. Go Heels. It a bit go well. You had to slow that in there, didn't you, Fitz? Wow. Yeah, I'm going to be struggling to pull with him. With Yo, their point guard, I don't know what he runs in the 40, but that man is quick. Yo, I, I fuck with the spiders, man. And just like <laughs> yeah. Richmond in general is a good place to hang out. I'm going to pick them just off the strength. Like, like, 
out of love for Crocodile Hunter, I thought you were going to go Stingray and you're just going to oh, no. choke it out, baby. <laughs> Get your revenge. Good people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, man, I'm going to have like a yes jam session after this. It's great. Yeah, they're so good. Oh, how's the journey? Pits Magic in September is like one of the hottest athletes in the world. <laughs> I would respect for that. Is, that's the worst take. Exactly. That's a bad beat. Traditional football, or you know, throw beer cans and jump off the top rope and elbow defender. I don't know. What Ten seconds. Ten seconds. <laughs> Ten seconds. <laughs> I could do that. Why do that? That's so funny. <laughs>